Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety with an emphasis on healthy and robust safety cultures in aviation and transportation organizations. Since 2004, Baldwin has partnered with transportation providers to help pilots, safety managers, frontline teams, and others to integrate, document, and build positive safety cultures and organizations. Each podcast episode will focus on an element of safety that can help you in your workplace, whether it's a cockpit, vehicle, or hangar. Let's get started with this week's safety chat. Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Baldwin Safety Chat Podcast. I guess saying good day, that's that's pretty formal. Just say howdy or hiya. I guess howdy since I'm here in Texas. But anyway, um, thanks so much for joining me. I have a um, something I want to talk about today is actually based on a talk that I gave earlier this week for some folks up in the uh, up in the Alaska tundra, as it were. Well, the topic was scalability, and scalability is really a hot topic, especially when it comes to safety management system. And the reason is, is because there's a lot of questions as to, is the SMS truly scalable? And this comes from a lot of the guidance that's in the industry, and unfortunately, some of the regulations we're seeing coming down, that I think it's creating doubt as to whether or not the SMS is truly scalable. But before we get into that, let's talk about what does scalability in the SMS mean? And and when I look up scalability in my handy dictionary, I don't know if anybody actually opens up a dictionary anymore, but um, let's just say I Googled it. And when I look at it, the first definition is able to change size or scale. But the second definition, uh, specifically related to computer science, is to be used or produced in a range of capabilities. And that's kind of what we're getting at in the safety management system. It has to be able to change size or scale so that it can be used in a range of capabilities. And I'll I'll substitute in there in a range of different organization types. So we go back to that question, is the SMS, as its original framework intends, is it scalable? And unfortunately, the perception that I'm seeing out there, and I saw with a lot of the operators um, that we discussed with earlier this week, is that the SMS is not scalable. And what I've heard a lot is, oh, this thing called SMS, it's only for the airlines. And that's, that's kind of sad because the way it was intended, at least in my mind, was so that it is a framework that could implement a system that is applicable to any size organization, whether it's a one-person organization or a two-person organization or a 200-person organization. And I wonder, I sit here and wonder and scratch my head, and uh, I am actually scratching my head, but how did that perception come about? And I'll give you my opinion, and this isn't fact, but this is just from what I observed over the last decade or so. But let's start at the beginning. And it was ICAO, or the International Civil Aviation Organization, that actually put out, or promulgated, uh, fancy word, the the performance-based standards for safety management system. And we're familiar with these standards. Well, most of us should be. If we've ever looked at industry standards, such as the ISBAO, the ISBA, 
um, even Air Charter Safety Foundation to some extent, uh, to some extent Wyvern and Argus. But what they're using is basically a copy and paste from what's in ICAO. Uh, now Annex 19, the standards used to be in Annex 6 Part 1 and the various other annexes before they combine them into Annex 19. But um, you're, you're familiar with these performance-based standards. So these performance-based standards, as you know, are it's a standard that that describes what what has to be achieved. It doesn't describe how. The how is really up to the person who is determining to meet the what. <laughs> and I know that doesn't really make sense right now, but we'll hear it in a second. But the problem with the the, the performance-based standards is that. Well, guidance was written for it originally in the first and second editions and to some extent the third edition of document 9859. And this is where a lot of the states and by state country, this is where they went to kind of fill in those gaps of the how. Because the states, the states, when they get into regulations, they're they're kind of concerned about the how. And that's how we get prescriptive, prescriptive requirements. And then even the industry guidance in the early days was based off of that ICAO industry guidance or that ICAO guidance uh, to support Annex 19 or at that time Annex 6 Part 1. So where am I getting with this? Well, ICAO was originally was originally birthed, if you will, out of the idea of international commerce or international global travel. And it was really focused on the airlines. And so ICAO is kind of in that mindset of the airlines. And before IBAC had its presence on the safety management panel, which probably created the first guidance, it was all airlines or manufacturers. And by manufacturers, I don't mean like Cessna. It was like Boeing and Airbus and whatnot. So, of course, that initial guidance is going to be biased more towards an airline. And what is an airline? It is a more complex organization. So when the guidance was put out, it was guidance that was meant to satisfy the performance requirement of the standards, but that guidance is steeped in airline complexity. You follow me so far? So I feel it is this, because this was the early guidance. You know, people kind of brush past this, the performance-based standards and said, yeah, okay, great, four components, 12 elements, those look lovely. And they went right to, well, how do I how do I solve this? They're looking for a way to solve it. And then they read this way to solve it. And they're like, holy smokes, this is like for an airline. Because it was written probably for the context of an airline. But that doesn't mean it has to be that way. It does not have to be this way. So, but here's the other side of that coin. The problem is that those standards, the ICAO uh, performance-based standards, specifically the ones about the operator safety management system framework, the one we're all familiar and love, the four components, 12 elements, that, that framework was actually written as performance guidance for the state to develop regulations. And so the state, as I said earlier, starts filling in the how. Because ICAO is just saying this is the what, and the states get their hands on it. And rather than, I mean, if I were the FAA, I would have just taken those performance requirements and I would have put them right into regulation, but that's just me. I'm not with the FAA, but they start filling in the how. And so what you get in that case as well is a little bit of complexity that probably doesn't need to be there. And so going full circle back to those operators in Alaska who are looking at the impending the impending regulation for non-scheduled commercial, probably having to uh, adhere to part five, they're, they're scratching their heads like, how are we going to do this? Because there is a little bit of complexity in part five. 
So that that's that's kind of the challenge right now. But Ikeo, uh, I'm going to go back to Ikeo, and I'm certainly not picking on Ikeo because those those performance-based standards are fine. I mean, they're fantastic. They work. But Ikeo even themselves came out and said that you an organization does not need to have complex processes to solve complex problems. And I found that very interesting because that right there, my friends, is a big cry saying that this is absolutely scalable. We don't have to. You could have you could have less complex processes and still address the problems that maybe even a more complex organization is addressing. So so that's very encouraging. And that's why I wish the guidance the guidance is important because, well, it is guidance, but it needs to be written in a variety of different flavors, in a variety of different contexts. And it's out there. It is out there. Uh, like, for example, the UKCAA has made a safety management system guidance for a small operator, and, and it's okay. It's okay. And there's still kind of a flavor. They're kind of wanting to stay towards that complexity, but it, it is actually, well, it's, it's better than okay, I'll say. It's actually pretty good. And and we can use that. But, but uh, we have to... We have to, when we go back to the performance-based standards, we need to learn to scale from those. So how do we scale? And I'll get into that. I'm going to get a cup of coffee, wet my whistle. You do the same because we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about how to scale. If you are thinking about upping your safety training, or maybe you are in need of CAM credits for aviation manager certification, you should think Baldwin. Visit BaldwinVirtualTraining.com to learn more. Now, back to Safety Chats with Jason Stark. All right, welcome back. So where do we leave off? We talked about what scalability is and the need for scaling, um, how how we might have got this perception that safety management system is, is for more complex organizations than ours. And, and by ours, I'm talking about our business aviation organizations, you know, 135s, 91s, air medical, whatever it might be. Um, so we got there, and we talked about how ICAO actually developed performance-based standards that kind of can be suit-to-fit, right, or fit-to-suit, however that saying goes. But um, but if we have those performance-based standards, let's not even think about Part 5 right now. If we have those performance-based standards, we have to say, okay, well, that guidance is not going to work for us, especially a lot what we see in, in some of the things like 9859 and to some extent 120-92B. Uh, and I think the C version actually has small operator guidance, but let's not go there yet. But in order to in order to scale, we have to kind of just forget the guidance for a second because that's written for some theoretical organization. Let's look at our organization. So when we scale, the first thing we have to do is we have to absolutely understand the requirement. That is the why and the what. We have, to add, we have to really understand what it is asking for. What it is asking for. So without that, we get lost and we become more prone to wander, as it were, and look for an answer to that. But we have to come up with the answer. Now, if that means reading more on it, uh, even reading some of that guidance to get the general idea of what that looks like, or asking somebody... Um, we just we need to have a really solid understanding of that requirement. What is it asking for? What does it want? And then once we have that tuned in, we need to really ask the question, well, what about ourselves? We really need to understand ourselves. What do we have in place? What does our organization look like? What do we do? What do we do it with? What do we have the capacity for? What could we handle? So if we have this idea 
if we have this idea of what it's really asking for, and then we look at the context that it's asking for it in and really understand that context, we should be able to develop guidance or a process, if you will, to satisfy that, that will be applicable to the context, if that makes sense. So let's start with an ICAO requirement as an example. Um, process to identify hazards in the organization. It's, it basically gets as simple as that. It says the, the service provider shall have a process to identify hazards in the organization. Nothing fancy, nothing added to it. The goal is, well, we have to, we have to be able to identify hazards. And so we, what, what it's really asking is we just need to develop the methods that are appropriate to us that identify those conditions or objects that have the potential to cause or contribute to an aircraft accident or incident. And we're like, huh, okay. Well, it's these potentials. Well, yeah, we, we could find the potential without anything happening or something could happen and we could work it backwards to find what the potential was that eventually manifested. So we start asking ourselves about reporting, job hazards analysis, auditing, investigation, but these are all methods in order to find hazards, right? But we have to take it a step further. We say, well, what do each one of these methods look like in our organization? So what does reporting look like in our organization? Do we need like a software platform because we have a lot of moving parts in a lot of different places? Or can we use paper-based? Um, what does that look like? And what does it look like when I receive that hazard? What do I need to do? Do I put it on a hazard log? Uh, what about job hazards analysis? Do we sit down, do case studies with like the director of maintenance? Do we say, okay, this is kind of what we do and what could go wrong? Auditing, what does that look like in your organization? Investigation, and very important. It's messy, right? Because something happened, it's never fun, but it's important information. So do I need to learn how to investigate so I can go backwards and see? So these are all the things that we have to take into consideration, but it's all what the requirement is, is a process to identify hazards in the organization. Nothing more, nothing less. Just the process to identify hazards, whether it be proactively or reactively, or both, preferably. You know, when we look at part five, when it talks about hazard identification, it starts talking about a systems description. It's like, wait a second, hold on. Now, systems description is actually mentioned in the guidance material in 9859. But again, the standard is just asking for a process to identify hazards within the organization. So what works for you? So let, let's, let's move on from how we scale. And what, let's talk about real quickly what happens when we don't scale. And believe me, that's a nightmare. So if you don't scale, let's say you, you do, you try to, you try to go with the guidance material for a complex organization and you're not a complex organization, you end up with very complicated processes and procedures. That's a start. And then you're going to see these processes and procedures like, wow, we're going to need resources. I mean, we're going to have to have people to manage the people to manage the processes. And then there's going to be a loss of engagement due to the lack of simplicity and the lack of applicability. There's going to be a loss of effectiveness because there will be no engagement. It'll be too darn complex to actually deal with. And then there's going to be dissonance because you're not using it. It's not working. You know, you're supposed to have it. You're supposed to have this thing that you're not using, that you're not working, possibly potentially costing you money. And it just creates a lot of bad feelings. And that's what happens when we don't scale. And that's not a good place to be. So that's why it's so important that we take the time and we do scale. So we need to look at those processes that we have in place, whether we got them from a template manual or got them from somewhere else. And we need to say, 
okay, is this working for us or is it not? Do I really understand it? Is there a way based on me really understanding what the requirement is and me really understanding my organization, is this the best way? Or can we, can we simplify it a little bit? Which I'm guessing the answer to many of those questions will be yes, you can. Now, just a, a quick thing on SMS support products, okay? And, and I want to I call this little shtick, don't let the tail wag the dog. And what do I mean by that? SMS products, whether it be a template, a software piece, are meant to support your implemented safety management system, not define it. And all too often, I see somebody buy a slick product and they're like, oh, this is how we need to have things work because this is how the software works. That's not the case. It should be the other way around. The software should work for you or the template should work for you. And it should be a reflection of you and what you do and what's applicable and effective for you rather than what the software is hard-coded or the template is written for. So we need to be careful with that. And then one other little word um, is, regardless of template software, whatever it may be, make sure you know Make sure you know what the entire scope of the template or manual or software is or what it's meant to address in relation to what is required in the SMS. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are some products out there that basically have a frat and maybe a sprinkling of other, of other components or elements, but they, they're predominantly a frat and they bill it as a comprehensive SMS software. And unfortunately, operators will say, oh, I got this SMS software, and they kind of let the tail wet the dog, and they think they have a functioning SMS, when indeed they don't, they only have part, because they're letting the software dictate what they do, and it should never be that way. So, and again, of course, it wouldn't be like that for you, because you would fully understand all the requirements of safety, of safety management. So be careful of those. Um, but if you go in with eyes wide open, knowing that your software that you're purchasing or your manual template that you're purchasing doesn't cover the entire scope of the safety management system, cool. You just fill in the rest and you fill in the rest in a way that's applicable to you. You know, if it's software, you may have to do some of the processes outside of the software. If it's a manual, you're going to probably have to do a little bit of writing, but that's okay because it's going to be yours. It's going to be about you. So let's go forward a little bit in time. Just a real quick talk on 14 CFR 5, uh, which is the regulations that are out now for safety management systems. Um, I just want to say this carefully, but the way that it's, it's presented now, I mean, the way that it is now, is it really scalable? Uh, not so sure. <laughs> not so sure. I gave one example there when they talk about systems analysis. You know, there, there are some. Uh, some of the regulations are performance-based, you know, especially when it talks about training. Uh, it seems like they, they kind of stayed in line with ICAO on that, but some of them, not so much, not so much. Um, so here, here's a call to action. Never done one of those before, but I'm going to do one now. Um, when the NPRM does come out, and it'll probably come out for uh, non-scheduled operators or, or Part 135 operators, uh, make sure you take a look at it. If, if they're going to go, if they're going to say they're referencing part five, you know, it might be nice to put a comment in there. Well, then make it something that we can, that we can alter so that it can be applicable to part five. Make it performance based. You know, don't look, look at some of this prescription you have in here. Um, you know, make, you know, go wild, go crazy, make a party out of it. Uh, sit down with all your friends one night, open up the NPRM for comments and just have some fun. 
Not too much fun, though, because they probably do track who, who puts them in. But I guess from there, all I can say is regardless, get to know that safety management system. Get to know, you know, it's only 12 elements. Um, they're pretty well laid out in Annex 19. There's good, there is some good guidance material out there. Uh, get to know them uh, so that you can make that safety management system yours. And we can stop thinking that this thing is just for the airlines because what makes them so special that they only get safety management? We should get safety management too. And I believe that the way IKO originally wrote it with the performance-based standards, it is for us. We can make it for us. So let's do that. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Uh, thanks for being here. I really do enjoy doing this. And if you have anything you want to talk about, shoot me an email or give me a call. Again, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you at the next one. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program.